Today on Let the Bible Speak. One time the Lord described four types of human hearts. What type of heart do you have? Greetings and welcome to Let the Bible Speak. I'm thrilled that you've joined me for a time of Bible study today. Jesus Christ was the greatest teacher in the history of mankind. He confounded the greatest scholars of his day with his answers to their questions, but also with his questions they could not answer. Because of their hard hearts, many of them were left unable to answer Jesus' teaching, but they were also unwilling to receive it. Now, those who believed Jesus, on the other hand, tended to be the common people who had no agenda. They had no thirst for power to retain. They had no reason to be jealous of Jesus. But they simply had a hunger, a deep need within their hearts. And so Jesus took the sublime and recondite truths of eternity and he reduced them down to practical lessons that all of the common people could understand. And at the same time, those practical lessons were lost on the hard-hearted savants who didn't want what he came to bring. So that's why Jesus did a great deal of his teaching in parables. A parable is simply a story or an illustration. It's often been described as an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And some of the most profound truths of all time and eternity Jesus conveyed through a simple everyday parable or illustration. Correspondingly, one of Jesus' more basic and well-known parables illustrates a great lesson about why so many people don't understand, believe, and obey the truth. In a recent study, we talked about the parable of the sower and how Jesus cautioned us to be very careful how we hear the Word of God and how people do hear the Word. But how we hear the Word of God depends upon what kind of heart we have. And I want to revisit that parable today, and I want to talk about that aspect of it. And I'm going to read today from the 13th chapter of Matthew, and I'll start in the first verse. The Word of God says, The same day went Jesus out of the house and sat by the seaside, and great multitudes were gathered together unto him, so that he went into a ship and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the seashore. And he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow, and when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. Some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up, but because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. But other fell into good ground and brought forth fruit, some an hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. Who hath ears to hear? Let him hear." One of the amazing things about this simple story of the farmer who went out and planted seed in a field is that every single person listening to me today, including you and including me, is pictured within it. You and I are somewhere in this parable. We're going to look at barriers to belief today. And in this little story, Jesus explains one of the great mysteries of our hearts, and that is why it's so difficult to get people to believe and obey the Lord. Barriers to belief, after a song from the congregation. Love led the Savior to dark Calvary, wonderful love, met Jesus there, bringing salvation to 
Jesus said a farmer went out to plant seed. Now, the farmers of Jesus' day planted a little differently than our farmers today. They didn't use heavy farm machinery to dig clean rows and carefully leave a trail of seed in the cultivated soil. The sower Jesus is talking about would typically go out with a bag full of seed, and as he walked across the field, he would reach into that bag, grab a handful of seed, cast it out from side to side. It wasn't a very precise way of sowing seed, but it covered a great deal of ground. Now, Jesus said, as you would imagine, that seed fell in different kinds of soil. The Lord says there are basically four types of soil there in that field. There was the wayside soil, and that refers to a pathway. And perhaps the farmer accidentally spilled a few seeds as he walked toward and into his field. There, there would be a pathway through the field where animals and people would cross, and that dirt would be packed down and hard. So it's not hard to picture what Jesus is talking about. He says, the seed fell on that hardened soil, and instead of being covered up in that seed nestling in fertile soil to grow, rather it lay there until a bird would come and get it. It would be like throwing seed almost on a, on a patch of concrete. But then Jesus said the farmer had to contend with stony or rocky soil. And this has a different connotation. The Lord is speaking of places where the soil was shallow and just barely covered the strata of rock beneath. And so the seed would fall into that soil, and because it was shallow, the moisture and heat would cause it to sprout and begin to grow. It might look promising, but beneath told a different story. It didn't have a good root system. And so when the real heat came and dried up that shallow soil, the plant just withered up and died. And then Jesus said the farmer had to contend with thorns and briars. The seed would sink into the soil, it would come up, everything looked good, but perhaps because of neglect, whatever the reason, the thorns would eventually come and grow and surround it and take over and choke the little seedling and it withered and it died. Now every gardener or farmer knows that to grow something intentional and worthwhile, you've got to do a little preparation. The soil has to be prepared. It needs to be free of obstruction. It needs to be cultivated. And then when you plant a seed there, it will grow and eventually produce what you want it to produce. Jesus said some of the farmer's seed fell on good and fertile ground. And it germinated, and it grew, and it produced fruit. Now Jesus very simply explains why some people don't believe and obey the Word and obey Him. The disciples asked Jesus why he was telling them such a parable, and Jesus explains the lesson down in verses 18 through 23. He says, Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom, and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one, and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which receives seed by the wayside. But he that received the seed into stony places, the same as he that heareth the word, and anon with joy receiveth it. Yet hath he not rooted himself, but dureth for a while. For when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by he is offended, or he falls away. He also that receives seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word, and the care of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becometh unfruitful. But he that receives seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth some an hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. First of all, Jesus says the seed in our story represents the truth or the word of God. He calls it the word or the seed of the kingdom. 
And so he's talking about the gospel of the kingdom, the good news of the kingdom, the word which saves the souls of people, the word of Jesus. He says the preaching of the gospel is just like that farmer's seed that falls on different kinds of soil. And he says the word of God falls on different kinds of human hearts. That was true then. It's still true today. Nothing has changed about that. And you'll find the same kinds of hearts in the world today that Jesus had to contend with in his time. Some hearts are good and ready to receive the seed. Some are not good for one reason or another that we'll talk about today. And now as we broadcast the seed, honest and prepared hearts will receive it. Sometimes that happens. Hard and corrupt hearts will not. More often than not, that does, that, that's what happens. What Jesus illustrates is that the various barriers to belief that exist in many a heart that hears the truth stand in the way of salvation. Now, I want to look at these four types of soil and three of them, the barriers that kept them from becoming spiritually fruitful. First of all, Jesus says some hearts are like the wayside path where the seed accidentally fell. Now, again, I can't discriminate in the preaching of the gospel. I, like any other gospel preacher, is always hoping and looking for someone who is eager and searching for the truth, but I don't know people's hearts, and so I simply preach. And other evangelists and teachers simply preach and let the seed fall where it will. Now, unfortunately, a lot of seed that is sown falls on the kind of ground that Jesus calls the wayside. And the implication is clear. These are hearts that are hard and impenetrable. There has been no preparation. There's been no cultivation. This is soil that through days and months and even years has become packed down and useless to the farmer. Now seed can't be received into that ground. And Jesus says it lays there and the birds come and pluck it up and carry it off. Now that's exactly what Satan does to the hardened heart that hears the truth. Listen to Luke's account of the parable. Told in Luke chapter 8 and verse 12, Jesus says, Those by the wayside are they that hear, then cometh the devil, and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. And he says, Satan comes and carries off the seed, so that person will never believe and be saved. Satan wants to do that to you if you've never obeyed the truth. He wants to do that to anybody who could potentially hear and obey the gospel. But why does he do that? Well, he wants people to be lost, of course. But he does it because the seed is there for the taking. The person's heart becomes too hard to take it inside and let it work within him. Now, the Bible tells us a lot about the hardened heart, and it warns us about letting our heart become hard. Uh, for example, it tells us how a person's heart becomes hard. In Hebrews chapter 3, beginning in verse 7, the Hebrew writer says, Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness. Now Paul there says the people out there in the wilderness for those 40 years trekking through the wilderness to see God's works had the opportunity to repent of their sin. But he said instead they hardened their hearts. Well, you know why many people don't believe and uh, don't obey? Why they will likely never believe and obey? Well, in many cases, it's because, not because they haven't heard the truth, they have heard the truth. The problem is they've heard the truth too many times without doing anything about it. How many times have you had the opportunity to obey the Lord, to obey the truth, to obey the gospel, but you put that off? How many times have you turned on this broadcast or some other broadcast and listened to the gospel preached, and then you turned it on next week and listened, and the next week, 
and listen, maybe you've said, I, I, I need to do something about this. I need to obey the gospel. I, I'm not what I ought to be. I'm not living for the Lord. I need to start attending worship and learning more of Christ and seeking to do His will. I need to do something about my soul. I'm not prepared to meet the Lord. And you say that, but day after day, week after week, month after month, even year after year, you still sit here doing nothing about it. Now you might think that the more you hear it, the closer you'll get to doing something about it. That one day somehow you'll just finally make up your mind and obey the gospel. Well, I hope you'll do that one day. And uh, I will rejoice the day that you do that. And I pray the Lord gives you time to do that. But you know, the fact is, you are not more likely to obey the truth the more times you hear it. You're actually less likely to obey it the more times you hear it and do nothing about it. Because each time you hear it and refuse to obey it, you build a spiritual resistance to it. You make excuses. You rationalize your situation until something very insidious takes place. Your heart, little by little, becomes harder and harder until finally it, your conscience is seared. Now the scripture also tells us that living in sin will harden the heart. Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 and 13. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Pride, prejudice, pleasure, all of these things will harden your heart so the truth cannot penetrate it. In fact, you know why most people reject the Bible as the Word of God? You know why there's so much infidelity and unbelief in the world, there's really one simple answer when you get right down to it. Hedonism. The desire of man to live for self, sinful pleasure, fulfill the desires of his flesh. Now, people don't like what the Bible says about sexuality, chastity, purity, soberness, self-control or restraint, holiness, goodness, virtue, righteousness. They want to live another way. They want to fulfill lustful and sinful pleasures. They want to be in the driver's seat. So they've got to silence that conscience. They have to silence that voice. So they set out to try to discredit the Word of God. Now that's nothing new. Paul draws a very ugly picture of a world without God in Romans chapter 1. And he said in Romans chapter 1 verse 18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Now that phrase, hold the truth in unrighteousness, means to suppress the truth. And he goes on in the next two verses to say, Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of Him from the creation of the wor world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened, verses 19-21. In other words, they could know the truth just as easily as anyone else. But you see, the problem is they didn't want the truth. So they suppressed the truth in unrighteousness. So what's the result? Paul says their foolish heart is darkened. And then he says in verse 28, And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not right. So why do people not believe? Paul says it's because of their desire to hold on to sin and pleasure and to live for self, to live for the flesh, as opposed to yielding to the Spirit.
They harden their hearts. And Jesus says the seed will not grow in that kind of hardened wayside soil. And then Jesus talks about the second kind of soil. He says some seed fell on a rock or on stony soil. Now this isn't good soil, but it's different from wayside soil. Because here there's just enough usable soil to let the seed settle and break open. A little seedling begins to grow, but it doesn't last long. Jesus says it's going to wither away. Why? Well, because it may look promising above ground, but beneath ground there's a different story. It has no root. Now, practically speaking, we might say that this is due to spiritual neglect. This is the person who isn't truly converted to Christ. Jesus said in Matthew 13, beginning of verse 20, But he that received the seed into stony places, the same as he that heareth the word, and anon with joy receiveth it, he, he, he hears and obeys the gospel. He says, Yet he hath not root in himself, but dureth for a while. For when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by he is offended. He falls away. In other words, he's not ready for trials and tribulations. He's not prepared to withstand the opposition and persecution that will come. Oh, I mean, when everything's fresh and new and going his way, yeah, he's all gung-ho to be a Christian. But when these things come seemingly out of nowhere... In the course of time, he'll fall away. As long as it's easy to be a disciple, he'll be a disciple. But the moment trouble presents itself, you fall away from the faith. You know why that is? Because in the meantime, you haven't been cultivating a true and daily life-sustaining relationship with Christ. For example, maybe it is that you never pray unless there's a problem. You don't pick up your Bible and read and meditate on its truth to grow closer to God. Um, you read the Bible maybe if you're trying to win an argument or twist some scripture to try and justify something you want to do. Well, how could a person expect to survive the attacks on their faith if faith is that shallow? You see, that's a barrier to belief for so many people. Their own neglect and their own failure to establish a true and sustaining relationship with Christ to put down firm and deep roots in Him. And that comes through communing with Him through His Word. Thirdly, Jesus talks about the soil that is filled with thorns and briars. Now He says these people hear the Word, they believe the Word, they obey the Word, but they eventually lose their faith. Why don't these people grow and become fruitful believers? Well, the Lord says it's because they are choked. That word means just what we usually know it to mean. They are strangled by the things Jesus mentions. These things grow up around them and leave no room for a spiritual life. Verse 22 says, He also that receives seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word, and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becometh unfruitful. So here is a person who gets all caught up in physical and worldly things. He's too busy making a living, acquiring possessions making plans for retirement, striving for success, trying to make a name or to amass an estate. He's too bogged down because he's cluttered his life with worldly baggage or with cares that will consume him. But really, those things in the eternal scheme of things aren't of any value. Now, how many people, and it's not that they're overtly godless and immoral people, but truth is they're serving the devil instead of God because they're serving mammon instead of Christ. They're serving the flesh instead of the spirit. They don't serve the Lord because they're so caught up in worldliness and worldly pursuits. 
Their life consists of temporal day-to-day things, not eternal verities. Now, cares of this life, many of them are legitimate. We all have cares of life to tend to. The Bible commands a man to work for his living and says he shouldn't eat if he refuses to work, 2 Thessalonians 3 and verse 10. There's nothing wrong with pleasure as long as it's not unholy or sinful in nature. Everybody needs relaxation and rest from time to time. Some pleasure is fine as long as it's not a sin. But so many people will never know what living for the Lord Jesus is about because their lives consist of those things. That's what they're living for. Jesus says the word is planted in their heart, but their heart is choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of this life. In other words, worldly things become the excuse for neglecting spiritual things instead of spiritual things being the reason for forsaking worldly things. Now Jesus says it is the good ground that received the seed. It is the good ground that believes the word and obeys it and is saved. It is the good and honest heart that lets the word of God work within them and make them fruitful and to know the abundant life of a Christian. 1 Thessalonians 2 and 13, For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when we received the word of God which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God which effectually worketh also in you that believe. Jesus said, But he that receives seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word, understandeth it, which also beareth fruit. Now, what makes a good heart? What's he talking about a good heart? Listen how Jesus put it in Luke 8 and verse 15. But that on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it, and bring forth fruit with patience or endurance. In other words, he just steadily bears the fruit of a Christian. Why? Because he has a good and honest heart, ready and eager to receive the truth. What does that look like? He wants the truth besides anything else. He hungers and thirsts after righteousness. As Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, He is pure in heart, and those are the only people who will see God, are those who are pure in heart. That's not talking about moral purity. That's talking about uh, a heart that is pure and honest and only seeking the kingdom of Jesus Christ. But you have all of these barriers to belief. You see, the gospel will never appeal to a heart that is dishonest and the heart that is bent on sin, the heart that is willfully ignorant, 2 Thessalonians 2 and verse 10 says, With all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. Do you love the truth? Do you love it with all your heart? Are you seeking the truth? Are you willing to give up anything for the truth? Really, are you willing to forsake anything for the sake of knowing and obeying the truth? Is that your sole aim and desire? Wouldn't you open your heart and hear what God says through His Word and obey the truth and be saved?
Each one of us needs to examine our heart today. Do you have a heart that hungers and thirsts after righteousness, that wants the truth and only the truth? I hope so, because that's the kind of heart in which when the seed of the kingdom falls, it will yield the fruit of faith and the fruit of obedience, and consequently, eternal life. If you would like a free copy of our lesson today, we'd be glad to send it to you. Just simply ask for the lesson, Barriers to Belief, and that copy will be on its way as soon as we can get it to you. Anything we offer you here on the program is free of cost. That has always been the case, and Lord willing, always will be. You can also find other resources online, including past videos and transcripts at ltbstv.org, and you can find us on social media, so we hope you'll find, uh, find us and follow us on those various platforms. Just search for Let the Bible Speak TV. Hope you'll join me back here, if the Lord wills, next time for another Bible study, and have a wonderful week ahead. Encourage someone else to become a viewer of Let the Bible Speak, and I will look forward to being with you next time to open up God's Word together, if God wills. Until then, have a great week, and may God bless you. Let the Bible Speak is brought to you by The Church of Christ. For more information, including our past broadcast and sermon transcripts, visit ltbstv.org. Thanks for being with us today. Join us next time for Let the Bible Speak.